Hello, dear listener. As you may already know, I, Cody Elf, the esteemed executive producer of the magnanimous Hercules vs. the Podcast, will do whatever it takes to prove my dedication to this fine show, which I love so very, very much. So, in accordance with the theme of this month's episode, I have decided to force upon myself an extreme case of decrepitude. My joints have welded together, gray hairs have sprouted amongst my glorious brown curls, my nose is in constant flux between plugged and gushing snot, and I can't stop coughing. Also, my throat burns with the fires of Hades itself, and I can't say anything past, ooh, arm's length. That last one was true before the advanced aging, but I, I feel like it's worse now for some reason. <coughs> Thus are the ravages of time, the cruel marching pace conducted by that old man Kronos, and that, dear listener is why we are here today, to listen to the history of the mad, baby-eating titan himself, Kronos. Or, rather, that is why you are here today. I am here today, in my remote mountain cavern, to bid farewell to this world. It turns out my advanced aging is irreversible, a fact I did not take into consideration while preparing for this episode. As much as the thought of turning into dust and being devoured by the insects of this world terrifies me, my mind is consumed by ruminations on Robin Williams' film, Jack. Poor little Jack Powell. Did he live to see the ripe old age of 19? Did he get to take his congratulatory tequila shot after turning 21? How much of Francis Ford Coppola's soul withered away in exchange for the money the studio paid him for the film? I fear we may never find out. <laughs> but my time is running out. Dear listener... When I'm a gleaming skeleton in the tomb, please continue the hunt for answers on these questions. I may have missed my chance to understand Jack, but there's still hope for you. Live your lives. Solve the Jack riddles. Also, if you find answers, do me a solid. Please consult a medium to pass this information along to hell to sate my curiosity. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Pardon me. But business calls, I must be productive, even as my teeth melt into dentures and Werther's candies clog my pockets. Hello? Cody Alton on the line, executive producer of the greatest podcast this side of ancient Athens, Hercules vs. the podcast. Make it snappy. What do you mean it's impossible to use the awesome strength of sheer willpower to advance aging by tenfold speed? Thought that was a thing. So you're going to trust your puny science and testing results over my testimony, huh? It's fair enough and a good point. I do enjoy not being dead. I'll have to trust you for now on this one, Doctor. Good news, dear listener. I have lupus. Welcome to Hercules vs. the Podcast, where timeless tales are told to weary travelers. I am James. And I'm Mike. So tell us, Mike, what sordid Greek tale of tragedy and triumph and really amazing headwear are we delving into this month? There is actually some pretty amazing headwear in this, but that will come later. You've got my attention, sir. You see, we've we've talked a lot about, in the previous two episodes oh we've recorded more oh yeah they were for us 
They were the sexiest of Greek tales. Oh, that Narcissus episode. We should do an episode. <laughs> or just tell that one story. It's a mini-sode. So, James, there was this dick. And epic music starts. So, we've talked a lot about gods. And this, you know, the, the Olympians and mentioning the gods that come before the other oh, there's you know lots and lots of gods we brought up we haven't really delved into them or delved into the beginnings of them oh this is hercules versus the podcast secret origins it is actually because tonight we're going to discuss the beginnings of greek mythology we're going to be discussing the first ruler of the gods the titan known as cronus was of course one of the titans as I said and he was the greatest arguably uh, you know he was, he was the first ruler well not really the first ruler but as you would understand like there was one beforehand but he was you know the first sitting atop a mountain and looking over everything kind of guy on the, the the same realm that Zeus comes from he was Greek mythology's first dick no actually <laughs> wow secrets revealed his father was we'll get into but saying that, the Titans were never treated quite as importantly as the later Olympian gods. The Titans were kind of, they kind of came about more as backstory for the Olympians. But, I mean, Cronus and the others did have cults surrounding them, and many Titans factor into core Greek mythology. We've mentioned a lot of them, like, you know, Atlas, and of course there's Prometheus, for instance. They're never really the driving force, they're just like the prehistory of what core Greek mythology is. They're the Uncle Ben's and Thomas and Martha Wayne's of the story. They really are. So, to first explain Cronus, I must first explain where the Great Titan came from. For that, we must enter... The Primordial Gods! What? We're going even farther back? This is like Greekception. It is. Now, I'm going to get into the beginnings of the universe here, so bear with me. Shit's gonna get downright Kirby-esque. Oh, I can't wait to see all those interconnected circles. The primeval gods, or the protogenoi, are often places, or things, or concepts, so they're sometimes difficult to bog down, and I won't go into great detail in case we do come back to some of this stuff. We're also gonna kinda skip over the cosmic egg, maybe possibly thing, but I'm still like to bring that up, because cosmic egg. I knew it. Uh, cosmic egg, you know, surrounded by serpents, it's a whole thing. But we'll avoid that. James, first came chaos. Like, are we talking about the concept of chaos, or is there just a motherfucker named Chaos badassing around the universe at this point? Both. Uh, chaos was the void, the infinite space of nothing, yet everything. It was a she, as it often is. So, once again, uh, you know, the primordial gods of protogenoi were often concepts they weren't necessarily people uh, occasionally you they would be depicted in some kind of form or taking on a form but you know chaos was just the void of creation i guess you could call it but after chaos was born came the other protogenoi gaia the earth tartarus the abyss and eros love i know those names yeah i like how eros just you know there's the earth <laughs> there's there's the abyss there's love. And with their power combined, <laughs> he will become Captain Cronus. 
Captain Cronus, he's a hero. Gonna bring the gods down to zero. Then Chaos herself births a few primordial gods. Okay, now I'm just imagining Chaos as Eternity. Like just a giant chick with the universe inside of her, but she's pregnant and her legs are spread open. Actually, that's a pretty good description of Chaos. Uh, who's the wise man now? So, from Chaos birth Nyx, the Knight, Erebus, Darkness, and the mating of Nyx and Erebus, because, you know, siblings fucked, birth gods such as Chimera, the Day, Aether, uh, Thanatos, Death, and even Charon, the boatman of River Styx, was actually born from the union of Nyx and Erebus. Wow, he's like that old janitor who's just been there forever. <laughs> yeah, I remember when Kronos was running this place. That's when shit got done. Are you going to give me my pennies or not? <laughs> old man's going to eat. I like your version of Charon. Uh, there, there were more uh, more primordial gods and more pairing up of primordial gods as birthed other, other primordial gods, but let's not go crazy. You get the idea. The next important primeval gods born were from Gaia. Uh, Pontus the Sea and the Uria, a.k.a. the mountains and the hills and all that stuff. But most importantly was her next kid, Uranus. The sky, the heavens, all that good stuff. How difficult is the labor whenever you're giving birth to the fucking sky? All because she was lonely. Um, Uranus is actually the thing Atlas will later come to hold up for all eternity. Uh, Uranus, I'm pretty sure, if I remember, is Atlas's dad. So, <laughs> it's just really perverse. Yeah, so imagine having to hold up your dad for all eternity. It's a hell of a thing. Don't we all, Mike? So anyway, Uranus was actually the primeval ruler of creation. Oh, and in Greek, properly, he's called Uranos. Why the hell don't we call the planet that? I know, right? Get rid of all those jokes now and forever. Uranos, I think, is a way cooler sounding name. But I don't like getting tongue twisted because there are enough weird names in this, so we're going to stick with Uranus. Also, Uranus. (laughs) (laughs) That's where the poop comes from. Get all the sillies out. So Gaius and Uranus became husband and wife, as the sky and earth, which your mother and son are wont to do, and they bore children. These children are the next generation of gods, who would later be known by the designation the Titans. I'll, I'll quickly list off the names of these mofos, but who are the 12 titan offspring of Uranus and Gaia. Uh, Some of them had children to bring more into the fold, but this generation consisted of Hyperion, Coius, Creus, Iapetus, Tethys, Thea, Rhea, Phoebe, Nemesine, Themis, Oceanus. (laughs) The titans had more badass names, quite frankly, than the Olympians. And finally, the youngest and wiliest, actual thing he was called, by the way. The title given to him by himself. Cronus. But, James, these were not the only children that Uranus and Gaia sired. The younger siblings of the Titans did not turn out so well, but were equally as powerful. Giants, they were. Very bad fucking tempered giants. So they were like the Tito and Germain of this family. God, they really were. Just as talentless and just as hulking and monstrous. Oh, you have no idea. First, there were the Cyclopes. What they are speak for themselves based on the name. But they were three brothers. Steropi, the Lightning, Rontes, the Thunderer, and Argies, the Bright. I I like how they have the fucking rhyming name scheme. It's really adorable. I know, right? I feel like they would be like a superhero squad these days. 
but they only have one eye, so they're kind of hideous to look at. Yeah, but if they put two of their heads together, they have death perception. That's like their fastball special. Hey, speaking of multiple heads, even worse than the Cyclopes or the Hecatonkares, a.k.a. the Hundred Handers, which we'll be calling them for the remainder of this story because, wow, that's a fucking name I'm not going to keep pronouncing. Those Hundred Handers just make them sound like they're a group of ninjas or something. They're more clumsy than that. There were three of them, too, but I'm not going to bother to name them. Sorry, all you Hundred Handers fans, but I don't care that much. We just lost so many subscriptions, dude. So each one had 100 arms, go figure, but they also had 50 heads. <laughs> you think that would come more into play than the arms? I think they'd be the 50 headers. Sons of Uranus. <clears throat> anyway. They were obviously not to be fucked with based on this description, because why would you? And they were nasty. Like, if one thought the Cyclops motherfuckers were nasty, they didn't see shit to mean the hundred-handers. Hideous, gigantic, monstrous, and powerful. Uranus was not into them. He picked favorites a lot. So these are like the deformed children that were kept in the basement fed fish heads. That is an apt description. You're about to find out why. <laughs> so... Them being ugly blights on creation bothered him enough, but they were fucking strong and unwieldy. Uranus actually feared them quite a bit, so he did what any good parent when faced with this problem, i.e. sloth, would do. As you said, he locked them in the basement. <laughs> of the Earth? Yes, the basement in this instance was the pitch-black abyss of pain and sorrow, deep within Gaia, Tartarus. They locked them in Gaia's asshole? Yeah. They, they got thrown right into Tartarus. Uh, Gaia wasn't happy about this. One, they were her fucking kids, and she didn't want them locked up. They, didn't, you know, This is like sending them off to military school or something. It's like what <laughs> Dr. Seuss did to that chick's kids. And two, it fucking hurt. They scratched, they clawed, they howled, they were in her. Well, I mean, it was her asshole. Yeah, they were in her. These huge creatures were trapped inside of her. It caused her pain and discomfort. And she wanted them out, but Uranus wouldn't have any of that shit. He was like, no, I'm good, and he smoked a doobie. Gaia decided there was only one thing to do. She went to her children, the Titans, for assistance. Her plea to them was to overthrow their father, Uranus. (laughs) Oh, I thought that was just going to be like one of those awkward moments where your mom's like, hey, can you check out this thing on my back? Like, oh, Gaia, if I had a nickel for every misbegotten offspring I pulled out of your asshole. Uh, Gaia's boils aside, she wanted them to, you know, overthrow their father and remove the ability for him to bore more offspring that he would merely lock up. She asked upon the Titans to castrate him. <gasps> oh, we're getting into some fucking Oedipal shit, and Oedipus doesn't even exist yet. Yes, except this is castrating the sky. I have to say, Uranus is being a serious douche nozzle at this point in the story. Yeah, I get that you've given birth to Cyclopses and many-handed motherfuckers, but (laughs) you be birthed from the union between the Earth and the sky and see how fucking gorgeous you look. And they're inbred. What else do you expect? How did that hookup even happen to be like, form a dick out of a nimbus cloud and plunge it into a volcano? Yes. Like, are we even sure that they're his kids? I mean, what the hell was the cosmos doing at this time? Is there like a crab nebula out there that's been cheating them out of child support checks all this time? Well, let's remember, Hercules has yet to suck on a boob to create the galaxy yet. Ah, good point. 
See, that's why I like having you on the show to keep continuity straight. You're like my own personal Kurt Busiek. E. So, for this job, she forged a sickle made of animantine. <laughs> oh, shit, they're getting Wolverine <laughs> on this motherfucker. <laughs> uh, she laid all this out to her sons and daughters, but none would speak up. None were brave, nor, dare I say, wily enough, except for one, Cronus, the wily. He took the blade crafted by Gaia and laid in wait for his father, Uranus. I'm, I'm going to say Uranus as many times as I could possibly do it. He waited for his father, the sky, to descend upon his mother at night for some, you know, some frisky stuff. Oh, I hope you've got that lava cracking for me. Oh, yeah. So when the sky descended, Cronus commanded four of his brothers to take hold of the four corners of Uranus. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm immature. So he could not flee, so they took four corners of the sky and held them down. As oh, Cronus- shit, that's not how science works. Well, this was primordial days, James. Oh, this is before science. Yeah, science hadn't been invented yet. Just imagining Neil deGrasse Tyson in a toga talking about how sky-grabbing is bullshit. <laughs> So Cronus headed for the middle of Uranus. <laughs> it kills me every time. And he did the deed. He took heaven's balls. <laughs> the blood dripped upon Gaia. Wait, he literally took heaven's balls? Oh, he cut them off. Okay, I get that we're talking about anthropomorphizations <laughs> sort of, of the sky and the earth. But still, Uranus literally had a cock. Technically, even um, technically, the sky Uranus was uh, more or less depicted as more of a bronze dome. So this makes even less sense when you consider that. But it's best not to worry about these kind of things. Again, he like just cut off two big clouds and then run home to his mom. Look, look. If you can imagine, it's about to get a lot weirder. So the blood that fell upon Gaia actually birthed a few things. The vengeful furies known as the Arenis, the ash tree nymphs known as the Melii, and the Gigantes, which will actually come back not necessarily this episode, but maybe next episode. Please tell me they're a team of female luchadoras. Maybe. So, Uranus's testicles, meanwhile, were tossed into the sea, which, if you ask me, was the greatest indignity in this whole situation. Just tossed into the sea. Bullshit, I say. Just teabagging that other god. <laughs> like, what did he have to say about it? Oceanus, no. So, uh, a, w- as the testicles were thrown into the ocean, a white foam began to form as the balls sunk and broke apart. And from that white foam, James, rose Aphrodite! <laughs> The most metal <laughs> of any god ever. <laughs> I do think, like, at Thanksgiving, all the other gods are sitting around the table. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you you came out of her pussy. I came from the severed balls of the sky. <laughs> Boom. Flips the table over, and then Aphrodite's away. I will still argue Athena is a little bit more metal than Aphrodite, but Aphrodite is a close second. Well, she has Afro in her name, so... That is true. So, obviously, uh, going symbolism's sake, the power was removed, 
and all that was left was for Cronus to take his sister Rhea as his wife, as you do in those times, and take rule after his father. Uranus, meanwhile, would swear vengeance, calling his children the Titans, spelled T-I-T-E-N-E-S, which meant the straining or straining ones. The Titans? Yes, the Titans. Uh, this would later just become known as Titan. My God, could you imagine turning on your Xbox One to play Titanfall? <laughs> oh yeah, every day. Remember the Titans? <laughs> the teen Titans? Too far. So the age of these Titans came. Or, as it's more probably known, the Golden Age. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole five ages of man thing from Greek mythology, but this is the first one. Uh, there was prosperity, no ill will against everybody. There, there was no need for laws because nobody did anything. It was everything. Shit was good, is what I'm saying. Captain America was punching out Adolf Hitler. Uh, the Earth itself, Gaia, was so plentiful with food, no one even had to work. This would, of course, eventually decline into the next age and so forth as the races of humans died out or wiped out or whatever. So when we get into Greek Reaganomics, except their trickle-down was actually just jism from the sky raining down on them, as was wont in Greek mythology. Of course. So this was the age that Cronus ruled over. It was pretty easy and pretty awesome. But I should mention one little thing. This overthrow, the, the golden age that has been brought came about because Gaia wanted her monster's children to be released from Tartarus. That was the deal. Cronus, unfortunately, felt the same way about the Cyclopes and the Hundred Handers that Uranus did. He kept them locked away. He did not release them. This is how he secured his power and rule. He had the same fear that Uranus did. He went so far to set the dragon camp as the guard of Tartarus just in case they tried to escape. Oh, now he's shoving a fucking dragon up his mom's ass. That's the worst Mother's Day present ever. A she-dragon. <laughs> so it's kinky, too. Oh, yeah. But this wasn't all that he feared. Gaia, who was betrayed by Cronus, and Uranus, who missed his balls, would warn their son that history is destined to repeat itself, James. He, too, would be overthrown by his offspring. This is true of all of us, really. They're going to shove so many ancient monsters up his asshole. Oh, you have no idea. Cronus kept the monsters at bay in Tartarus, and he was the one who overthrew his father. So he understood the real danger. He knew not to take these warnings lightly. He knew it was possible, nay, that it would happen. And so the Olympians began to be born. Hestia, Demeter, Poseidon, Hera, and Hades. They were born one by one, and one by one... As soon as they popped out, they were swallowed whole by Cronus. You know, you could just keep it in your pants, Cronus. <laughs> just don't fuck your sister. It's not that hard. Pull out. Use your fucking all-knowing god powers to create the world's first sheepskin condom. So they grew in there, in the belly of the Titan, as things were wont to do. Uh, so he devoured his children to keep them from overthrowing him. Which, I mean, as far as parenting strategies go, this seems like a very roundabout way. I mean, why don't you just instill morals and values in your children? Shove them up your mother's asshole. There's plenty of room in there, apparently. Why devour them? Listen, I, 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 I respect the fact he wasn't like, you know what, I'm not going to use somebody else's hole. 
I'm going to make a gigantic pit out of my own stomach and keep them in there. That way, no one else has to bitch about it. I'm curious, like, how physically large is Cronus at this point? It's not important. Well, I'm just, I'm just imagining it just, they're asleep at night. Like, they wake up and they just see their dad just with their hand in his mouth. Oh, oh, oh. dad. <laughs> dad. I know what you're doing. Dad, go to sleep. Don't overthrow me while you're sleeping. I know, Dad. Just think of it as a pocket dimension. I think that's the best way to place it. That's where the Hulk's mass is stored. So he devoured his children. Uh, once again, as has become the custom in these episodes, we see the all-too-familiar trope of cannibalism return. Cannibalism in Greek mythology goes together just like fine wine and liver. And poop in Greek mythology. And boobs in Greek mythology. You got me there. And centaurs in the backside of Hercules' fist. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, fuck centaurs. <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed across my chest. So Rhea was obviously devastated and disgusted as to what was happening with her children. There was actually some humanity in Greek mythology every once in a while. This was a feeling Gaia sympathized with. Uh, so she did not turn her daughter away when she asked for help, so the same fate would not be suffered by her sixth child, which was about to be born. With Gaia's guidance and help, Rhea devised a plan. The child was born. You know, instead of swaddling the baby in clothes, something else was. Something else that Kronos would mistake for a baby and eat in its place and being none the wiser. A rock. Kronos was a very hasty eater, I think. Even so, like, are you in such a hurry to devour a baby that you'll just throw anything in there? Was Cronus fucking Mr. Magoo? <laughs> like, was this very whimsical? Ooh, 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 Cronus, you've done it again. The fucked up thing is, most art of Cronus eating his children depicts them as him eating them. He's like, no, oh, I'm not tearing them apart. You know, he's fucking eating severed legs of babies and shit, as Cronus is wont to do. But... For The Rock, there's no decent way to get away around the fact he just went, What's that? Give it to me! And just shoved it in his mouth as quickly as he could. It's about time your vagina produced a jawbreaker. And how confused were the Olympians in his stomach? <laughs> just a rock drops down there dressed in baby clothes, like it has a little bonnet on. <laughs> oh like, god, mom's got lost her mind. <laughs> like, what the fuck is mom and dad doing up there? Jesus Christ! Oh, she's, she's cheating on him with the mountains. So, Kronos ate what is known as the Amphalos Stone, and thought no more of it. Like, well, that baby went down a little rough. But secretly, James, in a cave on Crete, once again Crete, the baby would be raised with the help of Gaia, and some extra assistance from a few folks who weren't a disembodied planet. Which I feel like, you know, getting help from those who aren't a disembodied planet is really the most important part of child rearing. I'll have you know that at some of the most difficult points in my life, the star system Andromeda has been there to help me pull myself up by my bootstraps. It's like the old poem says, when I was walking across the beach, I saw two footsteps because Pluto was walking with me. But whenever I saw only one set of footsteps, is because Pluto was no longer a planet. Wow. 
I'm sorry to bring things down with a little touch of realism, but that's some shit we're still processing. And I think we as a nation need to talk about the whole Pluto is left in our lives. I think we all sort of have some skeleton dwarf planet made of ice somewhere in our closet. I think we have to deal with that from time to time. So anyway, the other person who raised uh, this child was a group of Corivantes, who were essentially male dancers. This is going to become a Greek version of the birdcage. You see, the Corivantes, they would dance and clap at a constant basis, so Kronos could not hear the baby crying. (laughs) Okay, so he's blind and deaf. You think he would be confused? Why is there 24 hours of just gay armored dancers clapping and screaming? I mean, I approve, but still. The other help they got was from Amilthea, who is essentially the foster mother of this baby. Child of a Titan or not, it still needs a fucking good tit to suck every once in a while. You know, as we all do. I'm a child of a Titan, I still need that. Aren't we all, in our own way, children of Titans? <sighs> it's a very deep episode. So that's where that she came at. Now, I, I don't know if this is an important detail or not. T- tell me if I'm wrong and I'll cut this out. But I feel like I should tell you, Amilthea was a divine goat. I mean, if it were a regular goat, I would have some modest reservations. But I feel that since it achieved the plateau of divinity, that it's mostly okay. Yeah. Yeah, not not to get ahead of myself here, but I feel like this could develop into a fetish of some sort. Why will become clear in a minute. So, goat and gay male dancers who were wearing armor aside, that's where the baby was raised, until it could reach adulthood free of Cronus's grasp. And so it departed the cave. A man. No, James. A god. (gasps) I present to you, my pantheon, the one called Zeus! Of course! It all makes sense now. It all began with that fucking goat tit. <laughs> See, this is how, what I love about Greek mythology. It all comes around. Much like Hercules would spend his entire life searching for that one perfect boob, Zeus's whole sordid journey begins with him just being enchanted by the tit of a divine animal. And much like uh, a junkie trying to recreate the euphoria of the first high, he spends the rest of his life trying to find that mixture of feminine nourishment and love with freaky man on animal action. Yeah. But, you know, you know I've, I haven't really been behind Zeus with all of his cameos in these past few episodes. Yeah, he's he's kind of like Mike in the early seasons of Breaking Bad. It's like, who is this guy? I don't know if I like him. But now that I know the psychology behind Zeus, uh, I have to say I'm invested in his story. I think, I think really when you examine the story of Zeus, of uh, the ruler of Greek mythology, you... 
you, you really get a sense of what humanity at its core is about. And I'm only half joking when saying that. That's the fucked up part. <laughs> I think if any of us were suckled by a divine goat when we were a baby in a cave being raised by a disembodied planet as dancers dance and clap 24 hours a day, we all would have grown up to be a little fucked up but still do our best to, you know, be the best god of our own domain. Really, are we all searching for our own divine goat tit? I think we are, James. I think we are. Also, I like to say, I love how Zeus's uh, upbringing is also the upbringing of a serial killer. <laughs> Which, once again, fits. It's like, oh, I was suckled by a goat and raised by dancers who would clap day and night, and that's why you have to die. <laughs> Here's some lightning. So... Back to the tale. <laughs> that brief interlude. <laughs> the young god, just full of piss and vinegar and righteous indignation for his brothers and sisters, returned to his father's domain, Mount Othrus, where the Titans ruled. There, with the help of his sexy titan, Natish. Just like his Harley Quinn? Yes. That's probably how Zeus saw her anyway. I feel like if Zeus sees all of his sexy, all of his female, you know, siblings and stuff as sexy, because it's Zeus. Kronos was poisoned with an elixir that forced him to vomit up the Olympians in his belly, in reverse order. So first the rock came up, and then etc, etc. By the way, you can totally go visit the rock he threw up. (laughs) Oh, so it wasn't like a bomb or something? That's what I was hoping. No, it's actually a lovely tourist attraction, and was a place of worship. Swear to God, I'm not joking, there's totally a rock you can go take a picture with. Oh, that's going to be our first Hercules versus the podcast field trip. We go to that. We go to the Minotaur's maze. Yes, we should have lunch on the Amphalo Stone. It ends with the biggest tourist attraction of all, the final dump of Hercules. Oh, yeah. Immortalized for all time. (laughs) In bronze. So, the Olympians were now free. Zeus had now revealed himself, and his brothers and sisters stood by his side facing Kronos, each more pissed off than the last. James' war was brewing. What Kronos feared most was now at hand, and he had to take whatever it was and first. But Zeus himself was no slouch. He traveled into the dank abyss of pain known as Tartarus. There he slew the she-dragon camp. There, he freed the pissed-off Stygian monstrosities, the Cyclopes, and the Hundred-Handers. There, he promised them freedom if they would march with him against Cronus and destroy the Titans. As a reward of thanks for freeing them, the Cyclopes brothers forged for Zeus his lightning. For Hades, they forged his helmet of darkness, and for Poseidon, his trident. Then, bound together as fellow warriors, as brothers, as men, they marched out of his grandmother's asshole, and they brought holy hell onto Cronus. You're not wrong. With his army, Zeus marched between Mount Othrus and Mount Olympus. Cronus stared down at his defiant son, with other titans at his side. Above them, the castrated primordial god Uranus watched the battlefield. Thinking about how much he misses coming. <sighs> so much. 
and Gaia awaited the blood and devastation which would be spilled upon her. James, the War of the Titans was here! To be continued. What? Been a Pope Podcast Production. Hello, listeners. Before you take out those earbuds, what say you and I discuss business for a moment? Tell me, what if there existed, say, a podcast? And what if, hypothetically, this podcast were dedicated to, oh, let's say, the discussion and analysis of today's topical movies? And what would you say if I told you? just for giggles, that this alleged podcast was hosted by some of your favorite PPN alumni, including Mike and MB of Pulp Nightmare fame. And how would you react if you discovered, in a parallel reality, nearly identical to our own, but different in several fundamental ways, that this potential internet radio program was coming to a computer slash mp3 player near you? Would you finally give up those awful blogs of yours? Maybe it's time we all stop trying to outsmart cinema and let it have its day. Box Office Pulp, the podcast the size of a tangerine. Truly, human nature changes little. We may be civilized on the surface, but down deep, we are primitive. He goes directly at Caligula and impales him. So in comes his horse. Oh no, the wild card. Hear uh, Iron Dink as it ricochets off his brass balls. And Lucas says, You are one ugly motherfucker. He dies of dysentery. Dysentery is where you die of extreme diarrhea. <laughs> he caught the shits and he died. Conjectural combat. Where the factual and the fictional meet for fisticuffs. Mr. Johnson. Have you heard about those people who don't know about our podcast? Yes, sir. I, I, I've heard of them. Do you think anyone who doesn't know about our Southern-themed podcast should go to jail? No, sir. Do you think anyone who has heard about it but hasn't listened to our podcast should go to jail? No, sir, no. Do you think anyone who refuses to listen to our Southern-themed podcast should go to jail? No, sir, not really, no. Then what should happen? What would be a fair sentence? Do they deserve to die, Mr. Johnson? Do they deserve to die? Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Matt Johnson was found innocent of all charges and resumed hosting his monthly podcast, Below the Bible Boat.